so the title of today is actually uh, I labored over for a little while because it's going to be a two-part series. I'm actually preaching next Sunday too, so you want to pay attention today and take notes if you want to know what's going on tomorrow. Um, the title is Priests and Heirs Through the Righteousness of Faith, and we'll explain that a little bit. But first, uh, join with me in prayer as we ask the Lord to uh, bless today in this message. Father, we rely so much on you. Um, we rely on you to raise the sun each morning. We rely on you to feed us and clothe us and uh, to fulfill your promises, Lord. We even rely on you for the worship we offer to you, God. Um, we pray that today would be filled with saints gathering together, glorifying your name, and that you would be made great, and that your saints would do such a good job lifting up your name that the world would look on them and, and see uh, devoted people following a... Really, I was you know raised in a Christian household. Um, I remember truly asking the Lord, uh, you know, proclaiming my faith to the Lord at five years old and being baptized uh, and devoting my life to him to varying degrees since then um, through his grace. And uh, so, you know, you hear lots of stories about the people who are converted in adulthood or whatever, and they have these big, powerful conversion stories where uh, it seems like they make a lot of progress really fast, and that was never me. <laughs> um, so I thought, you know, there's been struggles of, is my testimony as worthy? Uh, is, am I actually growing? What we have in common with him is, is wins, but not sorry. You're wrong. Um, the, the chief end is to glorify God, and that's cast and uh, burnout, dried out, um, over years and years of being Christians and lots of failing and we realize how difficult it is to fulfill God's call in our life. Um, but scripture has an answer to that. Who would have known? <laughs> and the answer is, is by faith or through the righteousness of faith. That's what the answer was. That's what Paul cites as the answer to Abraham's righteousness and his completion of God's call on his life. And pretty much everyone else in the Old Testament, he says it was by faith. Or I guess you could say the, the writer of Hebrews. Um, and this is important to us because this means we need to, what by faith means is that it's, we're looking forward to the promises and trusting God that he will fulfill them, not us. So that means we need to be reminded of these promises all the time. And that if we're left with a vague idea of those promises, uh, it's going to be harder to believe God that he will fulfill them. So one of the things he does in his providence is he gives us Delivery systems of grace, graces in our lives that, that shine the
the light on his face and, and remove the scales from our eyes so that we can see him and his promises and, and are reminded of what, what he's, what's waiting for us, right? That's what keeps us going is when we are reading the Bible and we have new knowledge of what God has promised his people and we see that he has fulfilled those promises time and time again. It's when we have an encounter with the Holy Spirit that supernaturally uh, puts that belief not just in your head but down in your heart, in, the, in your inner being where, where you don't have an explanation. Uh, your words can't tell, like can't say why you have this built-up faith, but you know. And no one can tell you otherwise. That's God's grace to you is, is his Holy Spirit. And why when, when you're in a body of believers and, and you're feeling downcast and dried, but you see all these other people growing and having victory in your life, and you're like, yeah, God does things for his church. So that's what, that's what keeps us going, right? So that's just the outline. Moving forward to the next slide. Um, there's first two Two big ideas that like, we really need to get if we're going to go forward with this message, and that is that we are heirs of Abraham. Okay, so Galatians 3.29, all these passages are fairly small, so if you want to turn with me or not, they're up there, so I'm going to move a little quickly through these ones. Uh, but Galatians 3.29 says very plainly, and if you are Christ's, which... If you're a Christian, you call yourself Christ, right? You are his possession. So if you're a Christian, this is for you, okay? Or if you call yourself a Christian, this is for you, right? It says, and if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. It's pretty straightforward, I think. Um, so that means whatever callings he had or promises that he had are the same things we're called to and the same promises we have. So as we go through today, we can look at both what we're called to be and what he was called to be and interchange them, okay? Very important idea. So remember, we have the same calling and same promises according to Scripture, when he was called from something to something, we are being called from something to something. Okay, very important. Um, you see this in, in Genesis 12.1, the first time we really encounter Abraham, or when he's, he's called out. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Called from something to something. And then that's followed up with the promise that he would bless many nations. There's no gap in between. There's no, uh, there's no waiting for Abraham to say, yes, Lord, before he gives him the promises. He gives him the promises so that he has the faith to say, yes, Lord. Right? He doesn't just leave us without something to build our faith. He does that all the time for us. He wants us to say yes. He wants us to give us the opportunities to say yes. Right? He's, that's his providence for us, is to fill us with faith. It's by faith, uh, trusting in him, trusting in his promises. 
So if you're still confused over whether uh, we are Abraham's or not, and whether we should do what Abraham did or not, um, John 8, 39, this is Jesus speaking. Well, first the Pharisees uh, says, they answered him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. So this is another point where we look at scripture and we mirror, we look at it as a mirror and, and try and see ourselves in it and say, are we doing the works of Abraham? Right? Because if we want to be Abraham's children, right, which we should because if we're Abraham's offspring, that means we're Christ's, right? We just learned that. So if we're not, Abraham's, then we have nothing to do with Christ. Okay? So it's a big deal. So we should be really zealous about learning what it was that Abraham did. Because we should be wanting to be like him. We should want to follow him as he followed Christ. So what are, what are those works, right? Because I just told you you should really want to know those works. So here's your first... Uh, glimpse into what those works are. Guess what? The first one is to glorify God, right? We went over that in the, in the outline, right? The build-up. And I have scripture to prove this. Um, 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, I'll let you guess that whatever you do is pretty much everything you do, um, all means all, right? Uh, do all to the glory of God. So, let's throw some wild things out there. Um, whether you're sleeping, do it to the glory of God. What's that mean? Uh, you can sleep well, right? You can go to bed at a, a decent time and get like rest so that you are able to, like, give glory to God the next day and not be, like, super tired all the time. Uh, you can eat to the glory of God. Um, I think eating donuts all day, every day, is probably not glorifying to God, right? Being a glutton is not glorifying to God. You can have relationship that gives glory to God. If you're always at odds with people, not being a peacemaker, uh, not listening to those who love you and want to encourage you and build you up, you are not glorifying God. You're not doing the works of Abraham. And that should make you really wonder whether you're Christ or not. So all of these things, you know, you can drive to the glory of God. You know, that's one that I struggle with. Um, you know, driving way too fast or, or like getting upset when people cut me off just because I think they cut me off doesn't mean maybe they, they probably didn't do it on purpose. People aren't out there like, pers like, you know, remembering who I am in my car and trying to cut me off every chance they have. Like that, people don't have that kind of time. Uh, so we can drive to the glory of God, right? We can raise our children to the glory of God. We can... Uh, we can come to church to the glory of God. 
right? We can show up on time. We can show up in the spirit, right? How often do we, do we sit in bed Sunday morning and think, uh, man, I really, I feel like I have to go to church, but I really don't want to. Who cares what you want? <laughs> it's to the glory of God, not your glory. You don't go to church for you. I mean, some of us may do, but like that doesn't mean it's right. <laughs> A lot of us do wrong things all the time, especially me. So how do we glorify God? Um, scripture says it's as priests. That's one of our main offices we're called to be. And that's one of the things I want to zone in here on, uh, of how we relate to Abraham. So this is one you might want to turn to, 1 Peter 2nd, right at verse 1. So there's a couple key concepts that I want to get out of this, this section of verses 2. That, uh, so we'll spend a little bit of time here. So, um, Starting in verse 1, Peter says, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, basically things that aren't glorifying to God. Put those away, Right? Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. So basically, if you're still dealing in malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander, like if that's what you're known by, something you have to be put away, uh, a lot of us are still newborn infants in in Christ. That's another thing why I really was... uh, zealous about giving this message today was because, you know, I've struggled with long-suffering of being a Christian for a long time and, and uh, being frustrated with my lack of growth, and there's a lot of reasons for my lack of growth, and there's a lot of reason for a lot of people's lack of growth. I think this is something our whole church struggles with. There's people that have been uh, coming here for a really long time who haven't grown, and it's because we haven't put away these things that aren't glorifying to God. Um, but the thing is, is it's really hard to, right, when we're doing it under our own strength. So we need to put these things away and long for the pure spiritual milk so, that, so we can grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good, which every person who calls themselves a Christian should be able to say that. Otherwise, why would you want to be a Christian? You know, the, the world looks really appetizing, really good. Um, so the reason you would give that up is because you see something that's actually good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, You yourselves, imitating Christ, like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable 
to God through Jesus Christ. Okay, we don't go just trying to give whatever we got to God. It goes through Christ, okay? It's by his blood that we can go to, Christ, to God, to the Father, right? But you are a chosen race. This is jumping down to verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. So there it is. What does it mean to be a royal priesthood? It means to proclaim the excellency of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. It's a big deal. Um, That's what we're called to, to glorify him, to proclaim his excellencies in everything we do, including driving. So what is a priest? Um, You know, this is from BibleStudyTools.com. I thought it was the most concise one. You can kind of get a really long definition over what a biblical Old Testament priest was. But a biblical Old Testament priest was... um, one who is duly authorized to minister in sacred things, particularly to offer sacrifices at the altar, and who acts as a mediator between men and God. Okay? So we're called to those things. I'll show you how Abraham fulfilled those things. Uh, I'm going to rattle through these real quick. If you want this list... Uh, it was a list I made, so it, I probably missed a lot of things that Abraham did as a priest. Um, but if you want the list, you can talk to me later and I'll, I'll send it to you. Uh, the first thing he did was he built an altar of covenant. He thought it was worth commemorating. Um, Genesis, that was in Genesis 12:7, and then he also went back to that altar to remind him of the covenant in Genesis 13:18. He built an altar of intercession to call upon the name of the Lord in Genesis 12.8. He gave a tithe to the high priest, Genesis 14.20. He asked only for his and his people's provision so that, you know, it wouldn't take any glory from God in Genesis 14.24. He made covenant sacrifices in Genesis 15.10. He made intercession for the people of uh, Sodom in Genesis eighteen twenty-two through thirty-three, and intercession for Ishmael, his son, in Genesis seventeen eighteen. He administered circumcision for him and all those in his household in Genesis seventeen through seventeen twenty-three. He prayed for a man and he was healed in Genesis twenty seventeen. And some could say, lastly, he built an altar of burnt offering in Genesis 20, which we'll get more into next week. So it's important to know that there's some of these things about like uh, the covenant sacrifices and atonement, like sin offerings and uh, mediating between the Father and and the people, um, those things Christ is doing. So they are being fulfilled, but not for us. That means that 
uh, we don't need to bring bulls in here anymore and sacrifice them on an altar because Christ is, has done that once and for all. He has been that. Um, in fact, he's, he's up in heaven right now at the right hand of the throne mediating for us. He's, he's pleading for us constantly that the Lord wouldn't wipe us off the face of the earth, reminding God that he paid that price for us. So what we're left with is all these acts of priestly worship, right? Again, it's that to glorify God. That's what we're left with. We're left with uh, coming to on Sunday and lifting up an offering of praise when we come for worship. That's what we do. That's our job. We're left with uh, glorifying God for his words that he spoke. Right? We're left with intercession for each other. To cry out to God, to call upon his name for, for us and for others. For, the, for this country, for our, even our uh, president. Right? So like I said, these are really hard things to do though. Um, I've struggled with this so, so much. Like it, it really feels like you... Uh, have really good seasons where the Lord fills you with so much faith that it's like super easy to worship him. Super easy to, uh, to do ministry, to relate to people. You know, I, I kind of joke sometimes that I have a social meter and if I'm at a party too long, it runs out and then I'm ready to go, right? Um, that's just my faith being lost. It's not me seeing that like the Lord is good and and provides provision for how I relate to others, right? So a lot of times, uh, well, we'll just get right into, like, living by faith, what that means. Um, to prove that it was what Abraham did, Hebrews eleven eight says, By faith Abraham obeyed what, when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive an, as an inheritance, which, by the way, was an insane thing to think. There was already a, the Canaanites there, right? Like this, it was an imp, like a seemingly impossible thing. But he went, and he went out, not knowing where he was going. He obeyed the Lord by faith. I'd encourage all of you, um, as homework, to read Hebrews eleven. If, you, if your faith's not built by that, if you don't realize, if you don't get this idea that we can only do this by faith uh, after reading Hebrews 11, um, I don't know. You should re-examine some things. Talk to one of the elders. <laughs> and, and that's pretty serious, though. If you, if you don't see that, like, works are dead outside of Christ and in in faith in God, then uh, it is serious enough to talk to the elders about. Galatians 3, 6 through 7 says, Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. There it is again. We're sons of Abraham um, by faith. 
That's what, what's counted to us as righteousness, is doing things by faith, not by our own strength. So this, this is where the rubber hits the road um, in how we do this. Uh, because we can know these things, right? But it's not going to, you know, amount to a whole hill of beans, right? Like, it's not going to do much for us It's if, if it's just up here. If it doesn't hit our heart and pour out into how we live our lives. So just to get a better idea of how similar we are to Abraham... Uh, if you're not familiar with this story, it's Genesis 12 through 25, I think. Um, read up on his life and go through it using this lens, looking for these things. It's very important. So Abraham, I've listed a bunch of priestly things he did, right? Um, the common thread between all of those things is that Christ was actively reminding him or giving him a clearer idea of his promise right next to those things that he did, right? He was built up in his faith. But when he isn't, which I think we all know, like the fact that he took it into his own hands to secure God's promise uh, several times, one instance is when he was going into Egypt, he told uh, Sarah, his wife, to pretend to be his sister. Well, I mean, she was, but like to tell people she was his sister, not his wife's, so that she wouldn't be, he wouldn't be killed and, and lose his, his promise. He's like, the Lord gave me this promise that many nations would come from me and they would be blessed and that hasn't happened yet. And so if I die, those promises will go unfulfilled. And that's bad. So he's like, I got an idea. I'll protect myself by lying and deceit. Right? Some of us call this righteous deception, but deception is deception. And it, you know... Are we to say that God wouldn't providentially have done something anyways? Which, guess what? He did. <laughs> he fixed Abraham's mistake. And why did he do this? He didn't trust that God would fulfill it, but he did. God providentially saved him out of the hands of the Egyptians. He brought a plague to get Abraham out of there. And he, he does that time and time again. If we were just patient, patient and trusted in God, right? Then he, he does this a second time. And guess what? God providentially comes to a king through a vision. So he fixes his mistake again. He's not walking by faith. And then he makes another big mistake and, and has a, a child with someone who wasn't his wife and the one that, like, the Lord gave him to have a child with. And, you know, he was taking it into his own hands again. He wasn't living by faith. He didn't trust that the Lord would give him a child through Sarah. 
And there were consequences from that. It, there were, you know, there's still consequences from that. But the Lord continued to remind him of his promise and, be, and was still faithful to him, even when he tried to do it under his own strength. And he built up his faith and built up his faith. And, uh, and not only this, like, I think it's important to know that he was counted righteous by faith very early on. And God knew he was going to make mistakes. And he still knew, knew he was going to call him righteous through faith. So that, that's huge for me. Like, I, I can't tell you how many times that I've t- been talking to you know, other believers, and they're telling me, like, how downcast, they're just like, I'm really struggling with growing. I'm really, like, I'm hitting my head against the wall, and, like, or how many times I've I've seen people who call themselves Christians in churches that have been there for decades and haven't grown any, and it doesn't seem like they're all that concerned with it. Or maybe they are, uh, But again, it's just us, like, trying to do it on our own, trying to fulfill God's promises for him. We're trying to to be God. And so we don't grow. We don't worship well. You know, we don't glorify God in, in the way we read his scripture. We don't glorify God in... evangelism you know there's been so many times where i've like you know we're filled with the zeal right god gives us this zeal to like fulfill his we've seen the promise we know it we just forget that it's god who's going to fulfill it and we're like you know god you're going to like use us to make disciples of all nations uh so i'm gonna go out there and try and like use apologetics to win this person to Christ for you. I'm going to argue them into Christianity. Like, and that's evidence so much in our lives because of our prayer lives. <laughs> now, that's the first thing we do is, is the thing that Abraham did the most was pray to God. You talk about his, his intercession... That's to God, right? You talk about his praise, that's to God, right? All these things are us communicating with God, asking him for his help, asking him to build our, our faith, right? It's, it's, I have faith, Lord, but help me in my own belief. I believe, but help me in my own belief, right? I have faith, but help me in my faithlessness, And the thing is, is like, especially in, in the American church and even in our church, I see we're just people who don't pray. And that's why we're people who don't grow. You know, if you're frustrated, have you thought about like asking the Lord to help you? Right? And I'll tell you, I'm the chief among, among us of, of being bad at, at praying. Right? The reason I've thought about this so long is because I've 
been here, right? This isn't something I'm just like, like the scriptures are important to me too, <laughs> you know? Like it's important to me that I grow, right? For the sake of glorifying God, because nothing else is going to fulfill us. Nothing else is going to be worth it. Um, And so I see Abraham continue through years and years of waiting on the Lord uh, and his faith being built up and him and him losing his faith and it being built up and him losing faith and and it being built up. And and oftentimes we see uh, summer and winter and summer and winter and we think we're stuck in this circle, right? And it can be discouraging, but what the Lord is doing is he's actually moving us through the years. It's not the same winter and summer that we had last year. It's a new summer and winter. He's still moving us forward. And so I, I want this one to be a, a, a serious call to examine ourselves in the way that we um, view God's promises and whether we're viewing it self-centeredly or through, through Christ and through it being God-centered and, and trusting in Him. So I want us to examine ourselves in those ways, but I also want to encourage us that we're not going to be stuck in this desert, that the Lord will fulfill His promises uh, despite us, right? Oftentimes. Uh, I think, you know, I, I'm... The, the height of pride to me is thinking that we can mess up God's plans. I think that's the, the most prideful thing we can think, is that we can mess up what God's doing. I think a lot of times we can miss out on a lot of what God's doing, but we're not going to mess it up. <laughs> you know, we're going to, if we're lazy in our, and unzealous in our pursuit of him and, uh, living by faith, we might miss out on a few years of getting to enjoy his presence, but we're not going to mess up what he's doing. He, whatever he's began, he's going to complete. So I want to encourage everyone in that. Uh, but I also want us to examine our hearts and examine our growth. You know, each and every one of us needs growth. You know, from, from the, the kids downstairs in Sunday school to Greg. We all need growth, right? I need growth. You need growth, right? Kyle Williams, you need growth. Sydney Osborne, brother, you need growth, right? My wife, she needs to grow, right? No one's exempt from this. If you're a Christian, Scripture says we need to grow because we're a priesthood, guys, God created us to worship him, and that's our purpose. And if we're not fulfilling our purpose, then what are we doing? So seriously, look at ourselves. And, and next week, we're going to look at ourselves in, in another way that we all struggle in a lot of, of a more specific version of this. Um, but we've been given such a great calling as Christians to fulfill our created purpose in glorifying God. 
We often fail when we try to glorify him in our own strength and obtain his promises by our own means, right? You know, this is why we see so many dimly lit Christians who have been burnt out from years and years of labor-intensive and striving ministry, right? Christ didn't say, take my yoke, it's heavy and labor-intensive. So if you're feeling like it's really hard to be a Christian, like if you're feeling like ministry's really been labor-intensive, it's probably because you've been striving on your own. You know, this is why we see so many poorly nourished Christians who have sat in pews and read their Bibles for decades and are still babies in the Lord. You know, they think they've got it figured out. They've read their Bible like 80 times, but they never read it looking at God. They always read it as, how can I do things? How can I fulfill God's promises? Now, one of my favorite hymns says, if you tarry till you're better, then you'll never come at all. So I just want to like encourage us that our acts of worship aren't ceaseless strivings. So if you're downcast it, it, and, and you feel burnt out from ministry or tired of trying to grow, um, there's an easy solution. <laughs> it's reorient your thinking. Be renewed in your mind. Our worship is a never-ending outpouring of God's faith, or our faith in God, not not our own strivings, right? So that's that's all I got for today. Uh, If you want to prepare for for next Sunday and get a little bit more out of it, um, you should study Peter and his how he viewed God's promises, um, how he was restored by Christ, and uh, what he did on Pentecost. So that's all I got for you. You got plenty of time for coffee. All right.